Hello and welcome to DPC TLDR. It is a podcast uh, intended to make sure that you miss nothing of the entire DPC season of all different leagues going on at the same time. And let's be real, six different leagues over the entire globe, different time zones. Nobody can actually watch all games and live. So we're here to make it a little bit easier for you and to uh, make it a little bit digestible so that you make sure that you know everything that's going on without having to uh, basically be clustered to your stream 24-7. Really appreciate it if you still do, but humanly possible, not that much. I am Shiver. I will be uh, leading this conversation, but luckily for you, I am not alone. I am joined by... T Governor, how are you doing, T? I'm doing great. Never thought I'd be on a podcast or doing anything like this. So uh, yeah, we'll see how this works out. Yeah, Lacoste, how are you doing this day? All good, you know, ready for the next uh, DPC season to start and also first time on a podcast, I believe. Is this your first time podcast? This is my 18th podcast, actually. Uh, You guys never been a podcast guest? I've done like two. So you have been on on a podcast? Yeah, but I didn't want to do them. You know, it was more like... What? Have you, you know been on the Position okay. 6 podcast? That one's, he's excellent. Okay, that one's a banger, all right? But like when someone asks you to do it, you're like, I don't really want to talk about myself. But okay. And then you just start talking and then like an hour later, you're like, okay, are we done? Can I go play Dota? So you have been on a podcast. Yeah, but I've never yeah. tried to like commandeer and push a podcast and like okay. own one. I have, I have been on one podcast by your definition then. Yeah. We made four episodes and we stopped. I've four more than us. 12 episodes. Of a podcast. Was that with Kyle? Well, that was with Kyle. Yeah. Oh, we why. talked about a lot of things mm-hmm. that are not Dota related specifically. <laughs> but this podcast, we're going to, like I said, talk a lot about the DPC, the Dota 2 Pro Circuit. Uh, and this podcast is before the season properly started. So mostly what we're going to do today is talk a lot about what we are expecting to see. And, of course, we're going to start with how the previous season went and how the previous season concluded as well. Um, I want to I wanna first ask, Purge, how do you feel like the, the whole 2021 season was overall for you, if you look back to that season? So there was obviously some small, there were some negatives uh, with the 2021 season, but as a whole, I felt really happy about it from a, from a Dota fan perspective. There was uh, Dota going across the whole day. There wasn't so much that it felt like I couldn't completely keep up. Like I could keep my eye on two regions and feel like I caught basically everything. Yeah. I really liked that aspect. Um, I thought the, the major seed in system was with some negatives, generally cool. I liked it that uh, there were teams that could become, uh, we could see their, their slow improvement. What's the best example? Team spirit. We got to see them do mediocre season one, mm-hmm. uh, season two, they did pretty darn good. Then they qualify for TI and they win. That's a cool story. Cause we now have that like data in history. So I think there's a lot of really good things about it. Plus uh, div two teams getting actual cash money was cool. Um, I, obviously, I, we, we'd all like to see, we could probably argue for an hour about small changes we'd like to see with the DPC, but I think it's a great start considering. Um, and now we get a, an even longer season because last year we started quite late. It was like, what, January or something, yeah. February before we started the DPC. We get an extra uh, month and a bit uh, of DPC this year. So I'm excited to see all the development, all the cool stuff that we got to lead into TI last year. It's going to be even better in 2022. Is that where we are? It's, it's hard to remember the, the, the year. season. Okay, so there's a little bit of terminology change uh, this DPC season because when we talk about a DPC season, we actually, from here on out, mean the entire year. So in the case of the upcoming season, it's the season of 2021 and 2022. That is the DPC season we are at. And that is divided in tours. 
three tours. And we are here at the start of the first half of the first tour of the season that is 2021. For me, season one, season two, season three TI. That, that's how my yeah, okay, simple brain how works. You, how do you differentiate? Because if I now say DPC season two, Lacoste was great. Last year, second like, year, like what? What uh, year? No, what? First year. First year. How? First no, year. Yeah, first year. DBC. Much. Second year. But DBC. Now with the three tours, I think we're gonna be more familiar with it because yeah, Dota, like players, observers, they're more familiar with the T tours terminology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they might be more used to it. Does tour mean tournament? Or tour no. as in like you're like touring tour around, around. Yeah. that you tour one all the teams playing formerly known as season. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Great it's going to be it's going to be a little getting take take a little bit getting used to but I think in the long run it will be more clear because right now if I talk about a season that has just happened. I don't know if I'm talking about season one or two. Season 1 of season 1. My, no, but my the basic DPC brain is like, has what? been around since 2015. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. okay. No, no. Mm. Okay. For uh, DPC in my of course it's been around for a long time but yeah, like, this but is like the the new version, right? Okay. When they, they bring out a new patch, you know, we had the DPC patch, which was last year, yeah. with the whole, you know, 24-hour coverage of Dota. Mm -hmm. This is the second iteration of it's, that okay. patch. It's a DPC league. It's a yeah. DPC league. I go. like that. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned the leagues. We could have just mentioned it leagues. League one, two, okay, never mind. We're mentioning yeah, well, tours because that is helpful. the terminology <laughs> we've, been, uh, we've been told to use. Also, are we happy with the fact that things have stayed relatively similar, in case you were not aware, uh, in terms of how teams get seeded into the major, amount of prize money going into it, everything is kind of similar, and mm, I yes. am seeing TGov making some very frustrated faces right now. Mm -hmm, I am, because uh, I think realistically, fans just want to see more Dota. So when we see the single best of three occurring, and the fact that, for example, we have OG Secret being one of the first you know, upper division games. Of course, this is not the same OG anymore. They have a whole new roster. It's just the fact that we see them one time, but you don't see the evolution of either team. Whoever loses in week one, you don't see them build back up and beat or play again on, say, week six, right? So having one best of three instead of like two best of twos, a lot of teams are pushing for more Dota. A lot of teams wanted to have just more time playing the game and just kind of exposure points or whatever. So the fact it's a single best of three, it can make it feel a bit empty, but more I, emphasis I on think the series. It goes back to that we were supposed to have three seasons during the three tours during the you know the first yeah. year of the DPC. Uh, instead, we got two because of COVID, and uh, I think just the. Uh, Whoever watches Dota, Dota uh, fan base would be more satisfied with how things would turn around and uh, turn out if uh, we had like uh, three of those seasons. And as a very experienced uh, ability draft tournament organizer, I think what's really important is that a lot of people sometimes will say like, we want more Dota from the fans, but you have to realistically look at what does that going to mean? Yep. That's going to mean that the, the, the league goes for much longer or that every day has more games, or mm. there's going to be game overlap, and all of these are negatives that you have to balance. So yeah, I would love to see the top teams play more series, but can you make that fit in with the negatives that are going to overall hurt the tournament as well? Yeah, I don't I know if you can. The, the spin-off of that then is then leading on to the whole seeding concept. Like if you keep the group stage the same with best of three one time, the fact that, say, the best team in the region automatically still goes to the playoff, you lose the ability for that team to then play maybe the OG again or the secret, whoever qualifies in the group stage of the major, right? Because you have wildcard, group stage and playoffs. Yeah. So the fact that, again, teams don't enjoy going straight to playoffs because they aren't playing the group stage, getting that momentum, getting that experience. They're going in kind of cold to the playoffs. So um, I think that's still going to be a big thing. But I think teams now are going to be experienced knowing 
going into the playoffs, if you're first in your region, you have to respect the fact you aren't going to be playing an entire group stage. You're already in kind of the top part of a major. So they're just... It might not be great for teams, but at least they have the experience now of what happened last year. They should know how to work on it for this year to not be you know, as heavily impacted, for example, with Alliance mm -hmm. or for VP, for example. So there's two things that I want to still touch upon before we move forward to talk about some uh, region-specific things. Uh, and one is Lacoste, the previous season, year, uh, however you want to call it, uh, obviously was very colored by COVID. We had two majors. Uh, this time we guaranteed we'll have at least three, um, but potentially maybe some third party organizers will also have lands. How big of an impact do you think it will have the fact that teams will face each other more internationally than that they did previous season? Some teams, for example, Team Secret, they did not want to reveal anything in the previous season. They wanted to, you know, just chill, take uh, a bit more time, mm -hmm. relax. Uh, uh, I guess it depends uh, what you're looking out for. Uh, sometimes playing too much Dota isn't really that good. Like, yeah, we're going to play 12, 15 games a day, 15 scrims and just get better. It doesn't work like that. You need to find the perfect balance. But uh, yeah, the, the more you show, I think... Uh, Right now, where we are at is that like the patch overall is just good. Like we've been on a great patch since the previous year. I think it's one of the most balanced patches. And if we just keep this, uh, you know, keep it fresh, you always gonna need to bring in new ideas. Yeah. Uh, you will have, I think, um, just more strategy and with people playing more games. Uh, like you, you can see post. Uh, post DI, people are more relaxed and they are, uh, you know, new to experimenting. They're free to experiment, play new heroes, try out new stuff while during the TI. It was, pretty much, you know, you see this magnitude, you see this ET. It's always going to be the same because that's what's working, especially for the teams that are winning. Yeah, that was actually my second point as well, because Purge generally, correct me if I'm wrong, after a TI has happened, you get a bit of a down period. Everybody has their holiday and then there's a big ass patch. We didn't that, have that. Yeah. We had a bit of a balance patch, but that's it. Well, I, I, the way that I look at it is that um, you have to keep in mind that TI got delayed. Uh, when you think about the patch release, what normally happens is like you have qualifiers in like June area. Mm -hmm. Then you have a little baby patch to basically like tweak a little bit. And then TI happens in August. And then there's like a break. And then you expect like a big patch in like September or October or something. Mm -hmm. By TI being shifted back... It forced them to put another patch in before TI that they weren't expecting. So they'd use some of their good ideas there. And then they have to do a baby patch after TI. The big patch usually comes like late November, basically, like around Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving time. So now. So it, it would be now-ish that we'd mm. get a big patch. But I, it's not going to be today. No, I don't Probably. Think. <laughs> well, oh, they can't also know. do it during the league, right? Like, even though, so the first league or tour or whatever for this season, the Christmas one, there is a the break, right? So it's three weeks and a 10 or 11 day break, then it's back on again. So realistically, this big patch, it will either be at the end of that entire block, right? Before the first major, Probably. or they'll wait until after the first major, and then they'll be like, okay, congratulations, you played on this patch, that's good. Bam, new patch, then you play I season two. Kinda you have a yeah. feeling that we're going to have a I'm patch like here. right uh, mm -hmm. like in between Christmas and uh, when the first... During were, the break. Yeah, I, yeah pretty I, much. I, I personally would love it. I'd love a, a little cheeky little patch, you know? You, for three weeks of DPC, yeah, bang, know why? but teams because will be so we upset. Need a, we need Dire Tide and we need to put the Christmas hat, Santa hat yep. on Roshan. That's why mm -hmm. I think we're going to get a so big you want patch. Like a, um, a kind of UI patch, you know? Everyone gets happy with the visuals, not the physical gameplay. Or do you want to see like map changes? Roshan suddenly spawns, uh, you know, on the other side feel, of the map. It needs to feel like Christmas in game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So okay, you just want a cosmetic patch for Christmas, and then you'd like the the midi gritty 
24 hour purge stream you know mid-january yeah, hopefully we- they release it like literally uh 11 a.m christmas day then i can just stop whatever i'm doing like, <laughs> sorry, sorry family, everyone yeah. in my life i got <laughs> duty calls easy um yeah well we'll see if we indeed will get a patch um hopefully at least a little bit of a christmas patch uh around christmas time of course now we are starting a fresh season with a bit of information regarding Eastern Europe because previous, we already heard Purge say it, previous season Team Spirit was uh, the the poster boy, Lacoste. They were the poster boy of Dota 2. That's the way it's supposed to go. You get better over time, you win TI. Easy. Yeah, I mean, their miraculous run during TI, if you remember first and second day, I believe they were one win, three losses, and then managed to get to the fourth place in the Group A, which was uh, pretty impressive. Dropped to the lower bracket and then the, the Cinderella story in the lower bracket, straight to the Grand Finals, beating uh, PSG LGD uh, 3 and 2. Uh, I think it showed that this region has uh, like a lot of strength. I think uh, when EU West and EU East decided to split up uh, as regions, everyone was, you know, looking at the West as a better region overall because EU East uh, had some good teams, but definitely didn't expect them to win. I don't think anyone expected them to do like do this good. Uh, They were really great. So T Governor, my friend, what do you think about, uh, you know, the other strengths of this region? Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, okay, first of all, going back to Spirit real quick, it's the, I think the main question is when you win a TI, everyone's going to look at you to still be the best, right? And TI is one of those tournaments where so many players speak about it, where in the moment you have the right day, you get everything going, you can win it. But the real question is, have they developed the mechanisms of winning to then go into a stro- like a six-week league, into a kind of a more brutal battle to be able to still hold down that dominant spot? I think most people will assume that, you know, Yotaro being still rank one in the world, everyone's grinding, everyone's looking good. We expect Spirit to be the best. But for me, I'm looking to see, can they win TI, get all that money, and then continue to still dominate when you have teams like Na'Vi with their 24 billion different roster swaps throughout a year, trying to rival for that spot, VP making a couple key, you know, critical changes. Like, they're hungry. Hopefully Spirit still has that burning hunger and desire, which I think, of course, they will. They do. I mean, we didn't have really much of a break between, mm-hmm. like, it was, what, a month ago that uh, TI ended, a month and a half. It's not been that long, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really wasn't that long. Correct. It's, in th- terms of, like, Dota time, it's nothing. It's basically, you play a hundred pubs, and you're ready for the next season, and as you mentioned, like, Yotoro, everyone else from Team Spirit is grinding, if you watch their interviews, like, they, they want to win this one again. So, yeah, uh, coming out from the Eastern European region, there's always been this big rivalry between... Uh, Virtus Pro, who was pretty much the uncontested during the season one and season two. And looking at how they played, uh, I personally did not expect Virtus Pro to change the roster, considering that they got the fifth place. I was like, yeah, why is this happening? You know, this team played extremely well. They struggled a bit uh, uh, during the majors because, you know, didn't have too much LAN experience, but there's always been rivalry, like who's going to be the best CIS team, and everyone was probably going to say it's going to be Virtus Pro because they've proven time to time they had this dominant era where no one could touch them. So I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, like, uh, what's what's going to happen next? Like, uh, who's going to be the best team coming up from the East European region? I am so surprised with, in regards to Virtus Pro, we heard them throughout previous season. They were saying, oh, we always wanted to play together. We finally got it. All good blood. Everybody happy. Apparently not so much. And now Division One Purge, 
Save is not even playing in Division 1 as far as I'm aware. That's one that shocked me the most because I think Save uh, really showed himself to be like an amazing support yeah. in the entire season. He's like one of those guys, whenever I tune into his pubs as well, I'm just like, oh my god, he's like incredible. Yeah. He's like one of those support players that like regularly outplays people, which isn't always the case. But I, I don't think it necessarily has to be a negative story. Nightfall went to EG. Who says EG doesn't walk up and say, give us Nightfall, we'll give you a million dollars. I think that's possibly what broke the team structure first mm -hmm. and then who knows why save left but um i think that's a more likely story than it is like the five guys don't want to play together yeah i know that vp i don't know if it was like the official statement or one of those kind of like community things but it was the fact that even though you wanted to play together over time you naturally have leaders being built and obviously they came together as like five mates and obviously you need to build that kind of leadership and then if you don't all believe in the same kind of idea or approach to the game, then you can have those kind of drifts or rifts of uh, form. So potentially is like the majority stayed and then Save and Nightfall who are maybe more. Because like Save, he very much in his, like in his interviews and the way that he played, he you, you see like he's trying to lead the team, right? Same with Nightfall, like they all have a, a big opinion. So I feel like after that long together, the success they had within the region is just like a, a natural thing of, we tried it, we did lose to Spirit, didn't really work out. We got, you know, fifth or whatever, let's just part ways, stop trying to conflict and build our own, you know, super teams in our own way and with save as well. I don't think he played open qualifiers either. I did I did check on the first one, but you know, top top eight, top sixteen teams in open qualifier, he wasn't there. So either he bombed out real early and I just couldn't find him. Or he's or, taking a break. Or he's taking a break or potentially he you know maybe he's still under contract or something and he mm. just isn't able to play yet. But he for sure is a player to look out for in the future. Maybe next tour. Is that the right word? Yes. Next yes. tour. Yes. That's the one in <laughs> months after now um he might suddenly become like the big replacement in the yeah. position for any yeah. of the other if, teams if you look at the eastern european region for division one like some of these teams are like completely new swaps who's to say that like in tour number two or tour number three that someone says all right things aren't working bring in safe like it's his chance of getting to ti yeah because really you can do that this time around we have three tours instead of two so it's going to be i think much more roster swaps mm -hmm. uh, and for virtus pro they have Ilias, who was you know, known as a King Slayer, and now is back to Ilias, listed on Liquipedia. So, you know, maybe... The I, I, first of all, I wouldn't <laughs> allow that to happen. Like, did you change your name? You, you can't go back. Like, it, you can't do that. I so. think he mostly changed his name because Nightfall had to change his name, and he went for Nightfall, and it was somewhat Game of Thrones-related, and then went for King Slayer Friends. as well. I don't know. <laughs> Something oh. like that. <sighs> but he's back to Ilias. Uh, one thing I still also wanted to talk about regarding... Team Spirit winning is they were a young squad, our young squad still are, uh, did really well. Um, what does this mean for them winning as the region, as Eastern European winning a TI? That was the first time since TI won. That yeah, is I, I think massive. it gives a lot of um, hope to younger players in the region, considering pretty much everyone on the Team Spirit is relatively young and they can look up to them as, you know, idols, like, I want to be like this guy uh, if we grind. Because what Team Spirit showed during TI is also kind of a power of friendship that we've seen in, in the TI winning teams, like OG, this mm -hmm. is what's important. Uh, the region uh, was kind of struggling with, uh, I'd say for in 2018, 19, finding a new talent because most of the time you see these players and you're like, this is just a stack. Like this is not, not a real team because there's so much potential in the players coming up from the region. You just need someone to lead them. And if you combine the, these like new blood, new type of players that have a great uh, ideas about how to play the game with someone more experienced, like they have Miposhka, Silent, who was their coach, you're going to have a winning formula.
Yep. And in terms of Eastern Europe, I personally, and I think a lot of people with me as well, will look at Team Spirit to see if they still do as well as we expect them to now that they are TI champions. Are there any other teams people should keep their eyes on, Purge? Definitely Navi is the one team that I'm looking at. In tour number one of last season, they did quite well. They got second place. Uh, that was with general playing offlane. They picked, that was like the Necro patch where every offlane order by Necro, including uh, general playing Enigma. Then the next tour, they kick him because they grab Ramses as a free agent. And then their team went to crap. There was a bunch of tweets. They picked the same heroes and general kept tweeting about them losing with his own heroes. <laughs> Remem Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to add yeah. that. Sorry. That's totally fine. Like, Thank you. I, I, I'm a big general fan. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. So I was excited to see him get picked up again. So now their squad looks amazing. V-Tune, no one is incredible. Always has been. Always will be general. Aloha Dance and Solo now. So uh, excited to see Navi perform. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they to repair their standing because they had a very disappointing last seven months, basically. Yeah, I think the main thing we need to take away from Team Spirit winning TI or, and just kind of the, the concept of that roster and the formation of them from the start of DPC to the end is you look at any roster in, in upper division teams, you have to respect what they can bring to the table. Like, for example, if you look at, you know, Hellraisers, for example, it's Watson, Rebel, Limitless, Gilga, and then Malady, right? If I see any of these names, maybe Gilga, maybe Rebel, it's like you're not really going, wow, that's going to win a TI tomorrow, you know? And it's like, but maybe they they find that traction, they beat, you know, Virtus Pro in week one, a, a week of VP potentially, they find that rhythm. So right now, on paper, VP, of course, the names there. Na'Vi, the names are there. Team Spirit, the names are there. But for AOS Monaco, Gambit, Unique, Empire, Hellraisers, Puck Champ, these teams, they don't have, like, instantly world star players that are, like, all five, collectively. They all have new players, they all have some type of new blood. So yes. I think across all regions, you have to keep a fresh... I, for especially for the first tour. Second tour, you can assume some things, and, but... What's important is that you need to keep grinding. You, that, you yep. know, there's going to be a couple of roster changes. You see certain things are not working out. You had higher expectations of a player. You're going to swap your offlaner, bring in someone new. There's a couple of players that we talked about, possibly like Save. He does not have a team. He sees potential in this team. Let's say Hellraisers that you mentioned. Uh, and suddenly this team becomes really, really good because he has a bit more experience on the land and he sees uh, a lot of potential, joins the team. So with the three tours, I think we're going to see more teams rising and just getting better. It's going to be much better for the region development and the competition. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a very exciting region, uh, the Eastern European region, to keep track of, of for sure. And we, of course, will keep you up to date here on the DPC TLDR. Uh, we have also another topic, a little bit of, a little bit of spice tea, <laughs> a, little bit of, a little bit of drama. We want to keep you up to date with everything. Obviously, very imp informative podcast this is. But we also make sure that you, when you listen to the broadcast that you can listen to, are up to date with everything, including the memes and the drama. <sighs> yeah, and for some reason I've been tasked with this. <laughs> I will spill the tea on this, though. Good on brand. Hey, go there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, we can... Where do you want to start, guys? You want to I want to start with Leopold. Oh, for, Thank I God. want people to know that uh, when Leopold is mentioned, who we mean. Okay, so to be clear, Leopold is a lad... Ah, let's cross my legs this way. You can't see it, but you can maybe hear it. Um, so Leopold is a lad who was gifted the opportunity at once in a lifetime uh, by some pro players. Not confirmed, but, you know, it's pretty much confirmed. Uh to buy their account off him and mm. uh, of them collectively as a shared account, uh, top 100 account. And Leopold, being a Herald gamer, started griefing, of course, these upper games because he is not... Oh, did he? Not 1011k. Wait, wait, wait. 
Okay, so we know Smurfing is when a high MMR goes to low MMR. What's the other way up? Is gargamelling? Pa- no, Papa Smurf. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Gargamelling. <laughs> the bot account. You, you bought your yeah, account. Yeah, you bought your account. But anyway, so okay. TLDR, a Herald player bought an account from some pro players, unconfirmed, and uh, started griefing these games. So mm-hmm. the equivalent of a high MMR person, be it 4K going to 2K, 5 to 3K, etc., um, yeah, the reverse of that. Of course, everyone was very yeah, sad. He was de-boosting the he account. He was de-boosting the account, of course, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, everyone was very sad. And in, in the end, the account did get banned. Um, he did lose, you know, like, I think it was like 15, 20 games. Did win one, actually. Uh, he played, I think it was Cancel Tinker that may have carried him to his only victory. But that aside, I think the main point that we're getting at here is the fact that Smurf, uh, it became a big story because it was impacting higher MMR players. But of course, lower MMR players... We have they to deal also, with that every day. Every yeah, day. But there is a fine line between what is a smurf and what is someone making an excuse to why they lost the game. Like someone being better than them and beating them, they're like, oh, I had to be a smurf, right? I think there is this kind of concept that if you ever lose MMR or lose a game, it has to be because the enemy is a smurf. Of course, there's clear smurfs and it's a big issue, but that's one thing I want to touch on. In regards to the high MMR thing, yeah, because you got to blame someone after you lose the game, yeah, right? Exactly. You can't blame yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. the first rule of Dota. Yeah. So you got to blame someone. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the Leopold's account has now been, or the bot account has now been banned, I believe, for the second time. It hopefully stays banned. And I think, I hope this is like a move to stop smurfing in general. I'm a big fan of no smurfing at all. I, I hate the fact that people can even entertain the idea of having two accounts. If you're a pro player and you can't find a game, it should be a matter of, Hey Valve, I can't find a game on my account. Can you maybe help fix this problem? Let's maybe recalibrate MMR more frequently. Let's, you know, change up the way in which games are found at higher MMR. I should they shouldn't have to resort to going on another account. Because if they go on another account, it's like, oh, I'm a 10k on a 9k account. Oh, it should be fine. But some 4k player looking up to them, oh look at my idol, he plays on another account. I can do it too. You know, like this concept is just wrong. And having Smurfs and bot accounts and all this concept boosting, it shouldn't be a thing in the game. So I, yeah, pro shouldn't smurf, Leopold shouldn't buy accounts, no one should buy accounts, no one should smurf. It's pretty obvious, it's light and day, but it happens. I mean, to giving some extra light to this issue with the somewhat lighthearted with the reverse smurf, uh, I mean, but at least there's light it's, on it. It's shade and fraud, right? Like, people are happy that pro players have to experience it more or less, is what it looks like in sure, a way. Sure, but that's they fighting fire with fire, sure. Yeah, of course. It's not, it doesn't mean it's morally a good thing to feel, but like that's why they. That's why it's satisfying, because it's, a, it's an issue that plagues low-level players, but it seems encouraged or okay for pros often, which is funny because pros literally play against Smurfs all the time. It's those best-in-the-world players playing on something two or three, I, like 2,000 MMR or less so yeah. that they can find the game. I, I think there's a big difference when, you know, you, you see a pro player who is let's say 9k and he has 8k account that he also plays he doesn't ruin those games like that that's technically wrong the thing is pro, the reason why pros i'm not, I'm not saying it's uh, it, it yeah. should happen but there's a difference if you are if you have like 9000 mmr and you play at 2k of course yeah. the other people are not going to have fun of course but like the thing with pros is they have two reasons why they do it one is because their queue times are too long yes. mm-hmm. and they don't want to wait maybe 15 minutes, potentially an hour if you're number one in the world or whatever, which just simply means the system needs to like, allow for recalibration more often to be able to find games. I believe that button also doesn't that exist all the time. You can always recalibrate. To some I think degree. there's a max like, to it. I think you can only do it once every two months or something. Sure, but like that but exists sure. where because we're so hungry for the number of MMR, resetting isn't an option for the player by themselves. Because like if you're 12K, 
you're not going to hit that reset button and suddenly go back down to 10k to play Dota, right? You want to have that, that pride on you. So that means that that player naturally goes, I'm not waiting an hour for a game, I'll play on a different account. Like that, that just means the system isn't working for the, for the, the top percent of the players. Yeah. So that just needs to be... They find a temporary, temporary solution, a bad solution to a problem yeah. that should be fixed in a different exactly. way than that. And, yeah. I, I agree with it that. Shouldn't be a thing. Smurfing shouldn't be a thing. It, may, it upsets me, Shiva. All right. Thank it you. is allowed to upset you. We'll <laughs> see if, uh, if we have any developments over the next six weeks. I'm also curious to hear if there's any other drama. I believe I've heard something. Oh, oh the team getting I forgot this was still my section, Shiva. Yes. I'm not used to the podcasting. In uh, the Southeast Asian region. Yes, unfortunately, um, I guess a byproduct of DPC is just the fact that more people are able to compete. Therefore, you have more people accessing games that can be bet on, etc. And unfortunately, um, we saw a case of that recently in SEA, where a team, I think it was Omega Esports, maybe obviously let's disconnect the, the brand to the players because maybe the plans can do it separate with the the. Uh, or the organization they play for. But yeah, so the, the players on the roster, I won't try and butcher their names, don't worry. Actually, I can if you want. Hero, Prince, Pils, Zenki, Van, and CTY. Well, that wasn't actually that hard. But yeah, these lads. Um, Just to clarify, that's not the CTY. C yeah, that, yeah this is from the, China. Yeah, this is an SEA yes. coach, not the, uh, the Chinese player. So yeah, these guys got uh, found for match fixing and they have been removed from Valve competition. And byproduct of that mean that the super competitive boom esports in lower division got pushed up to upper division so in the people in the lower division are very happy yeah. with that because that team looks spooky mm -hmm. i get but yeah i guess the the main thing to touch on here is it is really sad to see when players resort to doing you know having to find ways to potentially earn money and i think it, it's so hard to really find out who's to blame because in a lot of scenarios it's just one person who's done the whoopsie and then other people get hit, and we don't really have any information on it right now. It's a, like the post that was released was we've done our research, and these players have been banned. So behind the scenes, they've been banned. But you, you don't like to see it. It's great that uh, the bad eggs are being removed. Mm. Uh, hopefully, we don't have more cases in the future because it's just just bad overall. Shouldn't need to do it. Should earn the money honestly. Should earn the money honestly. And you can do that if you do well in the DPC league. Just win, lol. Just yeah. win. And then win TI for even <laughs> so more easy. money. So easy. Very easy. You win tour one, tour two, tour three, TI, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Put a couple more on the bank. That's yeah. easy. To win, though, you need the right combination of players. And therefore, after every TI, you'll see a post-TI shuffle. And this time around, uh, the European one purge was uh, quite exciting. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of rosters that I'm really excited about. Um, after missing TI, uh, TI 10 now, unfortunately, is, it was in the year 21. It used to be perfect. You know, TI mm -hmm. 1 was in like 11, and TI. So we messed that up. Uh, had a big delay, and as a result, um, not quite as many big roster shuffles. But now we got to see some cool powerhouse swaps. Uh, I think uh, there's there's any ones and EU ones I'd love to talk about. I think the, the the one that sticks out the most to me is Team Secret, probably. Um, Sumail joined them, Ice Ice joined them, so it's Nisha, Sumail, Ice Ice, Yaps, or Puppy, an incredible squad. Uh, I don't think anybody can look at that, those five players and like find a major issue there. Um, they look absolutely incredible. Um, we've got uh, Team Liquid with some uh, roster swaps too. They uh, had Matumba Man join them, as well as Zai, two other amazing players too. So that's Matumba, Mickey, Boxy, Zai, and Insania for Team Liquid. So excited to see how they do. And then uh, two squads are the same. Nigma Galaxy, uh, Tundra Esports. OG has a 
basically completely new roster. Uh, Taiga joined them from Team Liquid, and Alliance has some new players as well, but I'm less excited about them. Anything else you guys want to talk about EU-wise? I guess to start, I think, with Liquid. Um, on Koikova's stream, big streamer now, by the way, Liquid streamer, um, he actually mentioned that after leaving, or leaving the main Liquid roster, he had offers from other teams within the region and other regions, and it was he just said he just didn't believe in the teams being able to like, win a TI or win majors. So Koikova was like, he had the option of streaming or potentially playing on a European team. He didn't mention which one slash other teams in the world. And he was like, he just didn't want to yep. use his time on it. He'd yeah, I respect build, like, that. Build yeah. himself no, up. So that's pretty cool. able to say to yourself, you know, I want to win a major. I want to mm -hmm. win a TI. And if you don't see anything happening with that kind of a team, feels like a waste of time so he can just focus yeah. on something else. For me personally, I think the biggest one was uh, Team Secret, you know, Sumail joining in. This just sounds, you know, super strong and ice yeah. as ice. Uh, I gotta say, I don't, don't have the feeling that EG utilized Ice 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 completely. I feel like maybe 80% uh, I want to see him thrive in Team Secret uh, the way they play Dota. I think this is going to be a much better environment for him. What do you think he needed to do different? Like what, what was he I, I don't think it was his issue. I think it was just the way they played around him and uh, like the way they drafted. Like you want to give him uh, something else, you know, seeing Ice 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 play Beastmaster, you know, Microing the boar, maybe a hawk, uh, using the ulti. This, you know, doesn't strike me as an ice 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 hero. It's just uh, kind of boring to me. I, I want to see, you know, that ice ice ice. A lot of creativity in the yeah, back. Yeah, he's, you know, been one of the most creative players for a really long time and one of the most successful ones for a reason because he can play a bit of a different Dota. Yeah, I'm very excited that uh, Nigma Galaxy. Yeah. Did not change their roster, even though they didn't make TI. So they, you know, they believed that that was not an issue with the roster. And Tundra didn't just keep the roster the same. No, they signed until 2024. Yeah. So they are committed cool. for the long run. Of course, uh, a late bloomer in previous season. Yeah, I think for sure. Like you look at the uh, roster shuffles, the fact that Tundra stayed unscathed, I think was most exciting because they peaked after TI teams were, you know, set in stone. So it was really cool to see them what they could become. And I was really worried that maybe nine would be poached or there'd be mm -hmm. some amazing offer that's like, I can't turn it down. But the fact they stayed together, they have now signed this long contract. I want to see Tundra at majors. I want to see their creativity. Nine is one of the few players who still play Spear Breaker mid. So thank you very much for giving that, even though you have a 33% win rate in like 18 games, but it doesn't matter. Ignore the win rate, keep playing at nine. You got this buddy. But yeah, I think Tundra, it's yeah, exciting that they can stay together. And I just hope they can find that magic that they had after kind of in that kind of pre-TI period because it's been a long time since then and teams can fall. Yep. So I just hope they still have that magic. So there's one thing that stood out to me as well for this specific roster swap is that previous post-TI roster swaps, we always, I feel like we've always, in, at least in, in Western Europe, have had some fresh blood joining some, some high-caliber teams. This time around, it's mostly swaps amongst each other. <laughs> I feel like... The, we don't really get that much fresh blood. You can call Alliance fresh blood, but then they swap three players. So it's not just one fresh blood star player integrated in four veterans. It's three. Well, I, I was fresher players, of course. Supreme, Leslau have been around for ages as well. So they're not that, uh, that, that fresh. So you can call Aramis perhaps that star player. But that's like the only one. And I feel like normally we've... Like, for example, that's how Nisha, when Nisha was first... Uh, appearing on Team Secret came uh, to the lineup. We saw Ace have the same one, also via Secret Miracle, via uh, 
Team Liquid in that case, but then later Team Nygma. We kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, I got confused. Time. I was like, which yeah. team was it that, you know, Tech OG was originally where he... I can't remember. It's yeah, maybe confusing. it was OG. I, but I, like, we, I feel like we have had that more often. Yeah, I, I actually, I like both methods. I like that we have a blend. We have some star teams, like Team Secrets, but then teams like OG or Alliance are like, we're just going to shake it up and <laughs> say, like, let's grab some good talent. And in some ways, it's probably beneficial for them as powerhouse orgs. You probably save a crap load of money mm. grabbing team, grabbing players that are, like, unproven or at least slightly proven. You know they're good, and you mold them. Like, imagine OG trying to sign, like, a team like Team Secrets, like all tier one talent on the roster, they're going to get crazy high salaries. Like they can still make magic out of this. And we've shown that we, we've seen it in the past that it can happen. So why not have a couple teams go for it? So I like that there's some teams doing that. But it's also kind of the idea that teams want confidence in who they pick, right? Yeah. Like if you have, like for example, Alliance, they had a pretty good season at land, not so great, but like they, they did well enough. They're not going to suddenly put all their eggs in the basket of let's pick up two brand new players hope for them to do well. They want to have some type of confidence. So I think most of the roster swaps here is organizations respecting that the tours, it still leads to TI. Like OG, they pick up five new players. They probably don't care if they, they don't make the first two, three majors, right? Like OG's mentality is still, we can play the very end. Long run. Exactly. Go, so, for, go, for, go, for, go yeah. for the gold. Go the, for TI. Exactly. That's it. And you see these other changes from teams. It's, they're still looking at TI, right? Like every team is looking at it, but they're not making the bold play in Tour 1. They're going, let's go for the comfortable play where we have players where we know we'll do well. If we don't do so well, whatever. But like, I'm looking at teams which are, are super grounded and they all have potential to make some moves within the region, for sure. Just by looking at the names of some of these uh, teams, you can see that uh, some are more favored than the others. Mm -hmm. But I want to touch on some of the names that uh, are kind of new, you know, even though you know them. You mentioned Aramis, who was my favorite player uh, coming up from Viking GG. And I think he, you know, just excels at certain heroes. He knows his positioning. Uh, DNZ, they're just playing for cool guys. You know, my creation uh, <laughs> boy. My man uh, Noob, my, yeah, the mid lane? My man Noob. Oh, uh, I, yeah. No, I, Noob as well. I think these two players uh, plus Aramis have shown that they can play some really good Dota. And now being in Division 1, I, I think they're going to show like what they're really made of. Yeah, for a lot of people as well, uh, you might have realized that previous season ended with Level Up and Viking GG making it to Division 1. And if you would look at the list right now, you won't see those names because they changed their names. Viking released their roster and it's now a different roster. Only two players remain the same and they continue under Team Tickles. So that shame. is the team that took Viking GG slot and then uh, the Level Up squad um, let the, also their players go. And that squad is now cool, guys. And that is three of the five remained the same. So those two teams you will see a lot also in the Division 1 of the Western Europe region. Any team to look out for in particular? For me, I am very curious, just mostly curious to see how OG is doing because... It's five new players. All eyes. Oh, oh, okay, Taiga. Well, obviously we are very familiar with Taiga, but the rest, I don't really have a lot of data on, and I'm just very curious to watch them play. I mean, Misha coached them at TI, correct? Yes. At, yep. Every day that I went down for to eat at TI, I was like, that must be Thompson's brother. Like he must <laughs> be helping the team out. He looks very similar to Thompson uh, in some ways. So he's got some experience. They probably they probably trust his vision. Yeah. Um, Taiga is obviously very good. ATF did amazing. Um, he really 
uh, stood out, one of the offlane players that stood out uh, during the, the previous tours. So I, I, I'm sure they have, I have faith in uh, the OG players, even if they don't do good after TI, I know that they, they have good Dota taste. So I, I, I'm sure that they're going to do at least okay. Yeah, I mean, OG is an organization and you have all these... Uh, you know, TI winning players that are going to help them out. They probably didn't go, you know, let's pick some random pop stars that they don't know <laughs> they what they're the doing. Dice. I mean, they, yeah. they, they know. They, uh, they have so money. much experience that when they see a good player, they know what they can, you know, mold them into. They see the raw skill and, uh, you know, so they did not pick these uh, five players for no reason. Like, they, they have vision. But I wouldn't be surprised if it just takes a couple tours for OG to really, you know, come online, right? Like, their first match is against Secret. This is a secret where Nisha's back to carry, Sumail on mid. Of course, Sumail has been, you know, whenever he goes to mid, it doesn't look bad, right? Like, it's hard mm -hmm. to have a bad game there. And then you, we mentioned earlier the creativity of Ice, right? Like, yeah. that is the true test where if OG wins this series, either Secret hasn't understood their players to the maximum potential, or OG has found, like, the perfect mix and they're, they're going to be... I'm going to call it. If OG wins game number one, they're yeah. going to start using the old chat. There's these new blood <laughs> players, you know, there's going to be some question away. marks uh, dropped in the old chat, I, like... I saw... Uh, so I, I was watching the, the top games, right, on yeah. the watch tab on Dota, and I was seeing, oh, OG's players, let's see what they're like. Instantly, within two seconds of watching the game, a pub, they're all chatting, not literally typing, they're using their chat walls. I was like... <gasps> Oh, okay. They must be in Portugal. They must be with a, uh, you know, no tail behind them. Use your chat. That's one too many lacks. <laughs> Come on. They're embracing the brand. They yeah. already are embracing. The, for the sure. only scary Love thing it. for them though is they have to be careful about not getting bottom two. In every single tour in Eastern Europe or mm -hmm. Western Europe, it has always been really close. There's always like, I'm always like, man, I wish seven of these teams got to stay in Div 1 and maybe only one got eliminated. Every season it's like that. Every tour. Um, we need to learn how to do well they gotta be careful. at majors though. <laughs> yeah, sure. but but you talked about them ramping up and it's like, yeah, yes, I want them sure. to be, but imagine if they get knocked to like Div 2 or something. Mm -hmm, yeah. If you're like that about to be like an amazing team, you really don't want to yeah. get knocked down to Div 2 for a season where you just stomp for eight matches or yeah. something. That's true. It's not the right uh, type of practice you would seek in a DPC league for sure. Um, we could talk about the DPC league for days, as you can hear. We only really briefly for my opinion anyway, touched upon two different regions, and there are, of course, six regions that we'll try to keep you up to date with. Um, but we'll do those on other days as well. We'll spread them out a little bit, make it more easily digestible. But I am curious to hear what you guys' thoughts are for the upcoming week. Uh, what's the thing that's most excited for you now that the season's the season started again, T. It's going to sound like a cheap answer because we just spoke about rosters and the shuffles, but it's who melds together the quickest mm. and also what team is bold enough to believe in their non-TI strategies, right? So post-TI with like the mini patch, like there wasn't anything crazy to map and mechanics per se. So it really is like, you, you know what just won the biggest tournament of the year. How can you reinvent that with not much to go on? Like you're using your pubs and stuff. So when you change new players, new rosters, so it honestly is just, what's new Navi going to bring out tomorrow? What's, you know, Quincy crew going to be able to do in NA? Like what's... Matumba Man on Liquid with Zai suddenly going to be pulling out Lundred mm -hmm. here and there. Like, it's just the... Oh yes, Liquid and Lundred, that's actually not that creative. But you get the point. It's just the idea that I want to see a breath of fresh air. I don't want to see kind of the, the tail end of TI coming back through to new TPC. And we're going to see some more experimentation, definitely. Mm -hmm. Even though we had this mini-patch that didn't uh, change too much, I think uh, players, especially the ones that did good at TI, 
are gonna experiment much more you know I, I see some of the heroes being uh, more popular especially in the high-level pubs like highest win rate for example has lone droid which uh, you just mentioned mm -hmm. like that hero was nowhere near touch during the ti you have uh, omni knight like that kind of became more popular it was considered a really bad hero i think he was yeah. played one or two times got stomped during ti and uh, yeah i, I just want to see the teams adjusting accordingly and of course you know watching the new blood uh, everyone's probably super hyped up about uh, seeing the og because of the legacy and uh, all eyes on them can't believe you, you you did the research you said to me off off camera or off Mic or whatever this would be, Spirit Breaker. You literally spoke to me about Spirit Breaker, of course, as being the top pub hero. I, I and then did. you ignored him. In terms of picking, yeah, yeah these, these are the most popular. I was talking about the highest win rate. Throw the most popular, Beaver, of course, one of the more flexible heroes that was also <laughs> extremely good during the TI. And there it is. There's your um, Spirit Breaker. Thank Don't you. tell me why. I, I mean, the, the, the cow was misunderstood at TI. Um, was I, it the only hero that was the, not picked or banned? So during TI qualifiers and TI across all regions, it was the only hero, of course there's a patch in between, the only hero to be fully uncontested, not banned, not picked. And I did, I did talk to Seb about this, and I was like, do you think teams just didn't understand the hero and how to enable him? And he simply said to me, yes. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, nice conversation. So I walked yeah. away. Um, but yeah, it is the fact that yeah, the hero is just misunderstood. People think that you need to buy some Echo Saber and kill heroes, but no, no, no. You need to just be annoying, be a nuisance. I could go on for this for about another hour, so I won't. That can be saved for you. a panel on another day. You but buy eggs or something? Uh, yeah, like... Just rush eggs. You but, saw Zawe do it from the mid lane. Yeah, it looked great. Uh, he said those, that's the bad item, so what, what do you got to do? It, it's like, so you pretty much have the option of just like phase into a small item like Shadow Blade, or you just go phase drum straight BKB. I know it sounds boring. Small item Shadow Blade? Like you can go like a drum, for example, maybe an urn situation if you're getting kills, but like Shadow Blade is your key active item. There's not a lot of sentries on the map, therefore if you have a Shadow Blade, it takes that away. And it unlike other speed and charge. Yeah, and other unlike other heroes who use invids like Ricky and stuff, bounty, you're really hard to kill with Bulldoze, right? So that's pretty annoying. Vision game is dismantled by Barra. And then fast forward the game, you're level twenty. You have move speed, you clear waves, it's great. Spirit Breaker, misunderstood, but teams are starting to learn oh, the hero. What was that production? Maybe. We got a cut. Yeah, yeah, we got a cut. Damn, please. We'll add it in post. <laughs> no, I'm getting cut in post. Yes, exactly. Uh, he started rambling about the cow. Get rid of him. All right, Purge, what do you think? Any dark horse picks for you for this season? Ooh, for anything? this tour? Uh, I, I, I mean, NADPC is still just going to be an absolute slugfest. The fact that only two teams go to the major and one of them is going to be Arkosh every time. So like, who are the three teams that are going to be, dis two of those guys are going to be disappointed not making it to the major. That's it's the content really, team, right? It's going to be really, yeah. The, Arkosh uh, is the primary content. Well, the, the content team will go to the major as well in anticipation uh, yeah, yeah, of, uh, sorry, just you know, recreating comms yeah. for the stream. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, that there's only two slots going to the major at NA. That was one of the biggest complaints uh, generally, at least from like NA pro players, they tweet about often, like, why not one wildcard slot or whatever? They didn't get anything else. And I think the best example of that, Team Undyne consistently third place NA, both uh, DPC tours last year. Then they go to TI and they did damn well. They went positive in their wins in groups. They did end up losing their BO1 in, in the loser bracket. I, I, I'm not going to call it a fluke, but they just had a bad game. They lose. I think they, that uh, undersold their value to the region and the fact that they still don't have a third slot is a bit disappointing. I think, though, as a region, this is going to be the season where over the three tours, they need to step up these, for example, the four Zoomers or the Undying or whoever, and actually 
get to the majors instead of it just being another Quincy crew or another They were EG, so right? close, though. I know, like, they, again, like, broke... There was, like, tiebreakers where they were one game away from 100%. Like, I fully respect the fact that Undying easily is, like, tied second in the region. Some days could be first, right, if they have a really good day, right? It's just the idea that they need to be able to get over that hurdle, get to land, and do better than, like... Quincy crew out of land, right? They need to be better than, like, and just prove that there is this depth in NA. But I'm not saying that they shouldn't have more slots. I think every region should have some wild card slot, but it's just this is the tour for NA to really step up with their diversity of teams being good at the top level. I think also, uh, well, with the basically the season not really changing in terms of format compared to previous season, we're just going to assume that the previous season worked out the way it did because it only had two tours. Now that it has three tours, this is the real test. So maybe now NA can prove more that they are deserving of more slots or perhaps some wildcard slots in there as well. Uh, it's time to, uh, to make some predictions for the season. I kind of want your predictions for winner and loser of both NA and Western Europe. Who loser. wants to go first? Is this, uh, Shall uh, I go I'll first? Go, go yeah, first. you can go first. Is this a loser or just of upper division, right? We're not saying like uh, the ultimate loser. No, just of upper division <laughs> okay. for both of the regions. All right, all right, all right. Multiple all right. teams or just one? Because I could pick so one, for one team safely. I will, I will say for Division One Western Europe, my pick to win it all is. Uh, I'm going to go with. Uh, Are you about to say two? You're about to go mm, this or this? So I. Okay, I'll. I'll I'm debating oh, here between yeah. Team Liquid, Team Nigma, and Tundra. Really? I'm not going to go Ooh. for Team Secret. You say Secret's fourth in the region? No, I no, 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 no. I'm saying Team Secret will probably be second or third. Uh, one of the three that I'm mentioning yeah, yeah. is going to fluke okay, hard. Okay, yeah. And one of them is going to do well because I think Secret's going to do well, yeah. but they are going to do well because they're good. You know, they're going to do yeah. well, but they're not going to crush everybody. I think Alliance might need some more time to gel. I think they might be higher in Tour 2. Uh, I think Team Liquid is very hit or miss for me. It can be really well. It's, or they're the ones that if they don't do well, they'll be very low. And Team Nygma normally floats in the middle. I think I will go for... Actually, I'm just going to bank it. Give on us a freaking answer. Yeah, Team yeah. Liquid, give the name. This is a podcast in itself. Okay. Uh, this season also because they are a Dutch organization. So at least I can always mm -hmm. fall back on that. In terms of who comes last, I... I don't want to pick who's getting last. Yeah, I'm not going to do that part. Okay, well, if you guys are not going to do you that part, I'm not going to do it. You can pick two teams. Two teams to get Eliminated team. Uh, I think uh, that, that's fair. You can you can predict the eliminated. Um, see, I mean... <laughs> Go for the easy answer. Um, I, I think, uh, odds-wise, Team Secret's probably most likely to win. I, I have a lot of... Uh, I'm very impressed by Tundra Esports. I, I love how they play, but mm. it has been a while. Who knows what's going to change or adjust. Um, Nigma, I think, has a good shot of doing extremely well. Team Liquid could gel too, but I, and, and maybe OG as well, but I think Team Secret's the safest choice here, personally. Yeah, so I, 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 I have to agree. Just by looking at the names, considering how, like, they don't have any newcomers, it's just the old school players. Everyone has a ton of experience. I, I gotta, I, I don't know, I just gotta go with Team They're Secret safer. here. It's probably not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cop out answers all around. No, T. The thing here is. Bold prediction time. <laughs> There's no bold predictions in Europe. We know it's scripted. Um, no, so I think with, like, Matumman, when I worked with him in TI9, like, he has the aura of, I can make any team get to TI and be good, you know? And he did carry chaos to TI9, where we did eventually peter out, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so I feel like he brings what Liquid needs in a team to be going from the shaky team to a very good. So in Liquid, of course, very good team now. Of course, they have Zai as well. So Liquid's going to be probably my easy answer, but yeah, for sure, Tundra and Secret are uh, that 
very close behind. Mm. Tundra could be amazing this season, or they could just be very, very average, but uh, good enough. I will uh, instantly jump over to uh, to NA, and I think EG is going to be number one at NA. I am very happy. We didn't even mm. talk about this, but for people that have not been aware, Jarex has come out of retirement, and he is uh, now on Ooh. EG. So I'm very hyped about that. He's playing as uh, Pass 5. Uh, this time around, so yep. uh, it's a little bit of a difference for him. Um, but he played in the get in a team together with Crit before as well, right? In the old, old, old days. Also, in his time off, Jarex did play uh, Valorant with a pen, like a, a drawing tablet. Oh yeah. So potentially he's still got that habit and playing Pos Five with a drawing tablet. We actually don't know what uh, peripherals he will be using. But is uh, anybody gonna you know say? He does that though, probably. Have you ever, have you ever played a mobile right? game a lot? Mm -hmm. If you play a mobile game on your phone, it rubs your thumbs down. So if you play like more than like three hours a day, which like, you know, if you play Dota a lot a day, it's like nine hours. You, what do you mean you rubs your thumb down? He's playing Valorant. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said a different game. No, no, he, he, was playing, he was playing like FPS games. What do you mean it rubs pen? your thumb yeah, yeah, down? If, you, if you're playing like a mobile yeah. game and you have to like touch the screen to do stuff, or it's yeah. irrelevant now because I'm sorry. I thought That's why they have the thumb thing. Why did he use a pen? So it's it was basically, I think it was just a comfort thing for accuracy, right? Because like if, you have, if you're controlling the, the pen, it's like you instantly know where you're going, right? It's, you're just controlling your crosshair. Like a pen on a tablet, you know this. Oh, on a I think that's how he's aiming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he was aiming. Yeah. I don't think he was being serious. I think he I just think wanted to show yeah. that he can no, still no, be I, the best playing with the pen. I mean, he, he was. <laughs> Maybe he's going to try to do the same that's in Dota. That's what I mean, right? Like he played, but you don't have to aim in Dota. It. Well, I guess you have to aim the <laughs> mouse. Sure. I want to hear from you guys who you have as number one pick for NA. Um, Ooh, that's uh, going to be a tough okay, one. So looking, looking at the lineups, you know, I, I think Quincy Crew, at least for me, uh, a they lot got of downgraded. Like the, there's three changes. This team worked uh, well when they like played with the, each other for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, Eg, I'm not sure what's up with them. You know, taking uh, Russian carries and uh, putting them on the off lane. But I'm very excited to see both Jerex and how Nightfall is gonna fit into that team. I think competition in NA has never been so strong. Looking at uh, Team Undying, as Purge already said, like there's so much that this team can offer uh, for Zoomers. Uh, very glad that uh, Z Freak is playing. I think uh, he's one of the smartest guys. Like if you just talk to him for a couple of minutes, uh, and I spent some time playing pubs with him. He's like, ex like you think you know something about Dota, then you meet uh, a guy like a Z Freak, and you're like, what the hell am I doing? You know, what, what, what is this way of thinking? He just has a different approach to the game. So I think uh, this is potentially a really good theme. Uh, Simply two based, uh, Lil Nick. I'm excited to see him in action because uh, I've heard some stories uh, that he's like really talented. Might need a bit more time to get better and compete with the big boys. But uh, I'm always down to watch. You know, so who's winning? It, who's on, uh, who's winning? Who's winning? I, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go with EG. I yeah, think. I think. It even in, with the changes for EG, you still kind of put them in that rung above everyone else because they have the LAN experience consistently to be able to, when they are not doing so great, they can put it back together. The question is, Nightfall and Offlane, how does that go? And if that doesn't work out well, then of course Undying, I think, slots right in there. Quincy Crew, the changes they made, a lot of changes. Mm. You know, brand new captain, suddenly Milan on four. The teams he's traditionally been on have done okay, but then soon kind of crumbled a little bit over time. So maybe Milan's got to reshift his change. And then, of course, you've got, you know, fresh-faced Ponlo, a very talented SEA player, yeah. again, coming into a brand new region, into a team which has this many changes. A new player often does well in a good foundation. So, yeah, Quincy Crew going to have to prove themselves a little bit with a lot of just moving parts now. But so again, talent's there. Are we going... So you're saying EG still? Mm, yep. All right. 
Are we going to predict the losers of every div- both divisions? Yeah, our coach is getting this? eliminated this season. Uh, no, John. <laughs> it's just, it feels very mean. It feels like a lose-lose no, lose from our we're, part. We're not going to do any of the losers, I think. Oh, yeah. Unless you want to. I, I'm down, See, honestly. I think it's kind of mean. And I think it's kind of okay, a no, pop-out no. answer. Okay, let's rephrase it better, all right? All right. So, let's go Dark to- horses. No, 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 no. Let's go to back to EU. <laughs> Where's EU? Okay, here you go. So, for EU, yeah. the expected losers in the history of DBC has always been the teams who have re- previously yep. got yep. promoted from uh, yeah. division. So in this scenario, Team Tickles and Cool Guys, uh, they're the expected likely. teams to go down yep. just because the competition of these regions, the top six is so strong yes. that it is hard for any team to break into it. I think potentially uh, this season, I think Alliance is very much a middle pack European team. With the, they, they haven't got like that Wow factor change. I think Leslau or Lelis in the offlane and Aramis, they were the big ticket changes, which will be exciting to watch. So Alliance, they easily could bump up the order and get into like a top three position again, maybe even top two. But I think Alliance is pretty much middle pack. OG, very volatile with this roster, could make or break the team. So yeah, OG, Team Tickles and Cool Guys, they're the the fresh faces to the yes. scene. So they're the kind of expected So what three. you're saying, we have to choose one of those three. Within, within or logic, we just right, have yeah. have already selected now three teams and that's it. We that's yeah. that's all. T- we'll have okay. tiebreakers. So there which we go. three would you select for the NA region, uh, Lacoste? Say, oh, say four. Gaming, they're definitely out because they can't compete with the big boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, just so kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they they might they might win some games. Um, I think. Uh, Dota 2 Hustlers, I think, uh, you know, just by looking at the names, there's some f- some familiar names. Uh, I don't think team like this can, you know, beat EG. Maybe they can beat uh, Quincy mm. Crew, they can cause some upsets. Uh, team Undying, they've proven to be stable. Uh, it's kind of hard. I, I, I think, th- well, I, I'll, I'll just say Arkers Gaming, because you can't go wrong with that one. It's very, like, the, the, the thing about NA, though, it's you have EG, then Quincy Undying tied, pretty much. And then everyone else is kind of this battle. Four Zoomers in their own little kind of middle tier, but with the previous BTS uh, Pro Series results, they looked not so great, not like top of NA level performance. So I wouldn't be surprised if anyone other, like Undying Quincy EG to fight for top, anyone else could easily be bottom two if they just don't string it together, right? right. Like, that's how I think we have to see the region. Anything Close. to add, Purge? I think for NA, uh, you got to look at morale stuff. Like, which teams are going to kind of explode and fall apart? And I think those are the ones that are also potentially going to get bottom two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's somebody that could really throw things in a to a loop. So, and that's something that's not really predictable unless you know the players individually, personality wise. So I don't think Zoom is hard to explode in that. And if you use that so. logic, right? So yeah, they probably shift away then. So it would be. Yeah, that's why yeah, Zoomers, when you started talking, I was like, Zoomers feels like an easy fourth place yes. mm-hmm. pick because, like, they've always been very good Dota players. They're just not, like, you know, tier one Dota players. Or an they NA third. Yeah. yeah, or an NA third where you don't actually get to the major, but you yeah. just go, ah, oh, it could have been. Well, and there's a lot to look forward to uh, for this DPC season for sure. This was the first episode of the DPC TLDR. I was Cheever and I was joined by Purge, Tigov and Lacoste. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you'll tune in for the next one. But uh, for now, you're going to have to just wait and see how things will play out with the first week right around the corner. We'll catch you for the next one.